Hey, I'm Jane Oakley, a Matilda alumni footballer, number 36, and you're listening to Radio Karen. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast. A real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. After wife and husband research and writing team, Casey Edwards and Dr. Christopher Scanlon published their best-selling book, Raising Girls Who Like Themselves, in 2021. They started getting the same question over and over and over again. What about boys? Parents are worrying about their sons, that they have low self-esteem, lack confidence and are angry and sad. They're scared that their boys will lose their sweetness and joy as they get older. The problem they discovered, while girls can do anything, there is still only one right way to be a boy. There are still dangerous assumptions about boys being tough and being able to handle shaming, harsh punishments and pressure to perform. This is suffocating our boys, limiting their potentials and, in some cases, killing them. But Casey and Christopher have the antidote in the newly published book, Bringing Up Boys Who Like Themselves. Using a friendly, guilt-free approach, they show parents why and how to help their boys discover for themselves who they are rather than forcing them into a masculine straitjacket. With the right approach and strategies, parents can build a strong foundation within their sons so that they are able to withstand whatever life throws at them and soar to reach their potential. This is the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Hi, Casey. Thank you for coming back to the podcast. Claire, it is such a pleasure to talk to you again. Thank you for having me back. I am so excited Not only did you write Raising Girls Who Like Themselves, but you've now written Bringing Up Boys Who Like Themselves, which is great because I have a boy. Well, you asked for it, Claire, so I delivered. I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know, thank you. Didn't think I had that much power, but thanks. Um, So look, why the new book, apart from me asking for it? Yeah, well, because you weren't the only one asking for it. Yeah. It was amazing, actually. The very first day that Raising Girls Who Like Themselves came out, we were sitting in a cafe, Chris and I, so I co-wrote, I co- we co-write with my husband, Kristen Scanlon, and one of our friends started tearing up like she was about to cry, which was not the response we were expecting when we were talking about our new book. And she said, my boy doesn't like himself. And then another one of our friends, also a boy mum, she said, I don't want to say this out loud, but if I'm being really honest, my boy hasn't liked himself for a while. And that was the beginning of the questions and they have not stopped. Parents reaching out saying, what can I do so my boy will like himself too? And so that's why we wrote it, because in an ideal world, we would raise boys and girls exactly the same and you'd only need one book. But we don't live in that world. From the moment boys take their first breath, they are going to be treated differently from girls. So we needed to do a whole nother round of research. A year we did a deep dive into what we needed to do to raise boys. Um, Yeah, so that boys can grow up liking themselves too. I, and I have to say, I, um, you know, what you've said um, about those other parents actually saying, my boy doesn't like me. My boys turned around and said, I'm not good enough. I'm not, um, people don't like me, you know, and, you know, all of these things that as a girl, like as myself as a girl, I've said, yeah. oh, you know, like, you know, people don't like me, blah, blah, blah. Um, all the challenges that go on as a kid that you go through. Um, although now I don't really care because I'm too old to care now. Um, if you like me, you like me great. But if you don't, well, unlucky, here I am to stay. Um, but yeah, it's and it's a it's 
their world is not the same as our world when we were growing up. Certainly not. And what we found during the when, during the research phase is that there are a lot of programs out there for girls. Like as a society, oh. we have decided, and rightly so, that girls need a lot of help in growing up with self-belief, self-esteem, knowing mm. how to stand up for themselves, knowing how to deal with friendship and conflict. But for boys, we just think they'll figure it out for themselves. And they don't. You know, we see this when our boys grow up to be young men. You know, many men are in crisis. There is a loneliness crisis. Boys are struggling academically. They're struggling um, with mental health issues. And they need as much help developing their skills to like themselves as parents put into their daughters. Yes, no, I agree. I agree. So, like, what what are the big things with boys that we need to sort of be aware yeah. of. Yeah. Okay. So what we did, because Chris and I are the parents of girls, which is why we wrote yes. Raising Girls Who Like Themselves, we were answering our own questions for our, our girls. We started really boys from a blank slate. So we emailed 15,000 parents and we said, wow. tell us your biggest concerns about raising boys. What are you worried about? What answers do you want? And we will go away and we will find evidence-based practical solutions for you. And it was astounding how similar the responses were. And I think it's also comforting in a way because as a parent, you can sometimes think that this is only happening to you. It's only your kid yeah. that's going through this or it's only you that's struggling. And we found such similarity and we ended up boiling it down to nine big worries that parents have. Wow. Only nine? Yeah. <laughs> Wow, nine I'm surprised ones. there's only nine. There's, there's, oh. There can be small ones, but nine big ones. <laughs> right. What are they? And, at, well, at the foundation of it, which is very different for girls, was so many parents were worried about having to choose between tough and weak. So they did not want to raise their boy to be tough. Right. But they were worried that if they didn't toughen him up, he would be seen as weak and he would therefore be a target. And a lot of this actually came from dads who have been in the wow. playground, who know what it's like in the rough and tumble world of a boy. And so they thought they needed to tough him, toughen him up to protect him. And so that was actually the first place we started looking for our research, this whole choice between tough and strong. And the good news is you don't have to choose because what we found out was when you raise your boy to be tough, you're actually raising him to be weak because tough is brittle and tough is okay when everything goes to plan, but life doesn't go to plan. And a tough boy facing adversity is brittle and shatters and he's weak. So what we came up with instead is we need to be aiming for strong. And so what I mean by that, so just a couple of examples between the difference between tough and strong is a tough boy, and this is part of particularly masculinity in Australia, don't make mistakes, oh men are never God, wrong, men don't no. apologise, right? That's tough, right? But everybody makes mistakes in life. We're all human. And if you go through life having to never make a mistake, you are brittle because what happens when you do, right? So a strong boy can admit that he makes a mistake. He is strong enough to endure the discomfort of not being perfect, the discomfort of making a mistake, and then strong enough to say, how can I fix it? That's strength. And we found, we heard from a lot of mums that they'd never heard their husband apologise. <gasps> well, Not once. I've never, it's funny because I had the conversation with my brother or a few years back that my dad's never apologised. My brother turned around and said, well, have you ever heard an apology out of him in the whole of your life? And I went, uh no, not really. He said, well, there you go then. If you're expecting an apology, you ain't going to get one. Yeah. Yeah, no. And so boys are watching wow. men who never apologise, right? But yet you cannot have an intimate, meaningful, productive relationship with someone if you're incapable of ever admitting fault or taking responsibility for that. Mm. So that's just one thing. Another part of... um the toughness of Australian masculinity is that a real man never backs away from a fight. <gasps> oh, my God. And that's 
still exists. It is extraordinary how many people we spoke to that said, I don't want to tell my kid to punch back, but I don't know what else to do, right? If you tell your boy that he can't back away from a fight, who has the power here? It's the other kid. The other kid is dragging him into doing something that he doesn't really want to do necessarily. He's going to get hurt. It is scary. And then, you know, you grow up and you do that when you're 18 and you can end up in jail. Well, exactly. Well, so you can tough. kill somebody. I mean, it only, exactly. it only takes one punch and you don't mean to kill them, but, you know, yeah. wow. I know. So that's what we say to parents. Are you so sure that your son is going to know not to do that when he's 18, full of alcohol and testosterone, if you have been encouraging him to do that his whole life? Like, you really want to risk that? Um, whereas strength is actually to say, I'm not going to be affected by you or your words, I'm going to choose what's right for me and walk away. Yeah. And yes. And I, it's not just Australian. I come from the UK and it's the same there as well is, you know, harden up. You know, I love when I first came here 15 years ago, it was like, have a cup of concrete and harden up. Right. Uh, yeah. Which is just like, yeah. oh my God, like, yeah, it's frightening. It's frightening. Um, and it's scary this week and time. Like you're right. You should be strong and flexible, right? Um, That's right. And I don't. And the I, foundation. I don't know if it's any different with single mums though, because I try and get my son to think about solutions. So mm -hmm. there is no such word as can't in our household. You just got to think about how you're going to do it a different way and learn from you know doing it one way and not working you've got to go well it, that, that didn't work that way so i need to learn and do it another way but um well that's strength and that's empowering right tough is to first of all not do something that you're not going to instantly be a success at so what we do see with boys is a lot of parents say oh he's so lazy but often what looks like laziness is avoidance he doesn't want to do it because he's not going to be perfect and he's already learned that men don't make mistakes wow Right. So again, strength is being able to deal with the discomfort of failure. Yeah. Well, and also, um, slight, not on the same sort of subject, but my son wants to be a goalie, right? In soccer. Mummy doesn't want him to be a goalie, right? Because, you know, I go, oh, goalies, you're going to get bored there. But he loves it, right? So I had to take a step back as a mum and as a parent and go, this is not your dream that you're living, right? This is like, yeah. you know, yes, it would be great if he was a striker and, you know, up there scoring the goals and all the glory, right? But at the end of the day, the goalies have all the glory as well, right? Because they're the last line of defence. They sometimes can save the game by the saves they've made. And if that's what he wants to do, I, and I consciously had to take a breath and take a step back and go, no, he's not living your life. He's living his life. And yes. And I had to encourage him to do what he wants to do, which is, I was quite, because I'm quite reasonable and flexible and thought, oh, I just, you know, I just want my son to be happy, but happy on my terms. Yes. Which is not good. You've nailed it though. That is such a barrier to boys believing in themselves, being forced to live their parents' dreams and not their own. And then we wonder why boys don't believe in themselves. It's because they've never been allowed. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, I because like, who you are is not who I want you to be, right? Yeah. So you grow up trying to fulfill your parents' dreams instead of knowing that your dreams are already worthy and worth pursuing. Yeah. See, I wouldn't want to be a goalie. If I was playing soccer, yeah. I don't want to be a goalie. That would be boring, right? But that's my view, right? That's not his view. Mm -hmm. So, uh, admittedly, he does want the ball to be more down his end so he can actually save it. But hey ho, never mind. Um, okay, so that's so that's a cut. What what more? What other worries did were there? Okay. Um, so dealing getting your son to try hard things, new and hard things came up a lot. And we've all we've touched on that a little bit. That I mean, girls struggle with failure as well because we get them to they grow up believing they have to be perfectionists. But boys often avoid or they get angry. Um, but it's so important to very intentionally teach your boy that failure is the pathway to success. Because if you don't teach him that, he's not going to learn it in life. 
because that's not the way the world is. You know, when you go to school, you don't go there to learn anymore. You go there to achieve. You go there to get external marks so people can decide if you're okay, right? So all around us is, no, you already have to be good. You've got to be exceptional. So there's no room to learn to fail. And every successful person in life fails. They fail well. And there's that really great quote from Michael Jordan who talks about how many winning shots he's missed and how many times he's let his team down. And he said, and that's why I'm successful. Wow. Because he just keeps getting up and playing. And we need to, again, boys very rarely get that modeled to them because their fathers were not taught that lesson. So we have to be really intentional in teaching them to embrace failure. And at the core of all of this is what we call emotional bravery. Because why don't boys want to fail? Because it doesn't feel good. Why don't they want to extend out of their comfort zone? Because it doesn't feel good, It doesn't feel good to anyone. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But I think women, because of the way society is structured and the way um, the expectations we have on boys and girls, women are quite good at feeling things and acting anyway because they have to. So they're also allowed and encouraged to talk about their feelings. And so there was some really fascinating research about boys and men and anger. And and that came up a lot in our research too. A lot of parents were worried about their boys' anger. That's my biggest concern as well, right? Because it's like it can be like a match to a touch paper with my son, but then also um, you sort of want to talk through things with him mm-hmm. and he just shuts off. He goes, nah, don't want to talk about it. And I find that as a woman, I find that very frustrating because I need to, I want to talk about it. And as a parent, you want to talk about it and sort it out. Yes. For them. Well, something to try, and it's hard because of the world we live in, is explaining to boys that if they talk about it, they will feel better. And the research backs this up. It's astounding, this research, that if you can accurately name how you are feeling, you go most of the way, most of the way to resolving that feeling, and therefore it doesn't need to explode out of them in anger. Wow. And so just an example, but you have to accurately name it. So, for example, if your boy is feeling lonely or dejected about something that happened at school and he comes home and he goes, oh, I'm sad, that's not the right emotion. He needs to say, I feel dejected or I feel embarrassed. And just by saying that to you, he will feel better. And it's so simple. And so I'll give you an example that happened to me just the other day. I was at a body corporate meeting for my apartment block and things got heated and it didn't go well. And I was so angry. I thought I was angry all day and I carried around this rage and it ruined my day. Then I came home at night and I talked to Chris and I realized I wasn't angry. I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed by what I said and the way I said it. And just by accurately naming it to a safe person, it was gone. I felt better. And I wasted a whole day by not accurately naming my emotion. Wow. And so what I have um, for your listeners, um, it's called an emotion wheel because many people can only name three emotions, happy, sad, and angry, which is not enough. And so (laughs) it's an emotion wheel of all the different kinds of emotions. And I would encourage your listeners to print it out, put it on the fridge. And when your boy or girl is feeling something, they're having a difficult experience, help them identify what it is correctly, help them name it, and I promise you they will feel better, which is what we do with our friends, right? When we go and talk to a girlfriend, we accurately name our emotion and then we feel better. Well, and I think also as as women, um, I think we've learned to externalise it, right? And I always laugh to a lot of my male colleagues and say, right, I don't need you to solve anything, I just need to get this issue, problem, challenge, opportunity, whatever you want to call it, out of my body because if it's in my body and I'm trying to process it in my head, can't deal with it, cannot process it, don't Mm -hmm. get any answers, don't get any solutions to it. But as soon as I tell somebody about it, then I start to figure it out. Then I start to understand where I'm at, what's going on. I don't need them to help me. I just need to get it out. And so I actually start with a lot of my male friends saying, I don't need you to solve this. Just listen to me. I've got to get it out of my body. And yeah, and just, it's very, (laughs) 
us women who would even understand us but it is very strange and um but how do so do we have to and i don't want to say coerce but coerce is coming into my head yeah but do we have to deal with our children our male our boys differently when it comes to labeling emotions because it seems as though girls are a little bit easier at going yes i'm angry i'm upset i'm frustrated mm-hmm. i'm but boys just can't label it yeah and the reason it's not that their brains are hardwired differently if you go to up until the age of eight boys and girls are just as capable and verbal as each other right and they also want to share how they're feeling the same but after the age of eight, boys have been boys long enough to know that men don't do that, right? <gasps> really? At eight? At, at eight, it, they start to diverge. So what we need to do is help our boys realise that this is a strategy that empowers them. It makes them strong enough to handle their emotions and it makes them feel better. And there is so much evidence to support that. But for our boys to be able to do that, we need within ourselves to respond appropriately every single time. And that means whatever he says to you has to be okay. If you get Mm. angry, if you jump in with a solution when he doesn't want you to, if you laugh, if you shame, you will not be his safe person and you will have reinforced the lesson that men don't share their emotions. Wow. And it's that subtle, isn't it? It is that subtle. I must admit, I have learned to say because I get frustrated that he gets angry if he's telling me something and I'm get, you know, I go, what do you want me to, what do you want me to do? Right? Because what do you want me to do? How do I support you in dealing with this? Right? Because I don't know. <laughs> but that's great. Tell me what you need. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's just really what we need. And also my concern is right with our boys, if they're being emotionally tough and stuff, like male suicide in Australia mm-hmm. is massive. Yes. Massive. So nine people um, successfully, and I hate to say successfully in the same sentence, but successfully commit suicide, right, a day in Australia, yeah. a day, not a week, not a month, a day. And I think six of those people are male. Yeah. And that's... That's a oh, frightening it's statistic. Utter, it's a tragedy. Yeah. And um, just because they felt that they couldn't tell anyone or they had to deal with it on their own or whatever, or they had to be tough, right? Yeah. And that's horrendous. And then you hear people say, I didn't see it coming. And yeah. you didn't see it coming because they've learned their whole life that they're not allowed to talk about their feelings. Yeah. I know. And so... Um, and that, uh, if you go into, if you were to send me the email, I, that would be my biggest fear for my son, is that he gets himself into a situation where he feels he needs to deal with it himself and his only way out is to actually kill himself. Mm-hmm. To me, that would be horrendous. Um, the biggest, scariest prospect for me. Um, anything else we can deal with. Yeah, that's right. But, yeah. Which wow. means you have, you when he comes to you and when you discipline you have to do it from a place of helping rather than hurting because that's another reason why boys don't come because we have an idea it's a very unhelpful myth that boys need shame they need tough punishment to be coerced into being good people you know so we punish boys more than we punish girls we shame boys we do yes so give us some examples of that then because um well, I find it hard to punish him anyway, but I set my boundaries and we go there, right? But, like, how do we shame them and punish them? Well, we shame. So punishment is, you know, yelling, screaming, yeah. taking away the iPad. We're also um, far more physical. Boys are more likely to be smacked than <sighs> girls. Okay. Yeah. Um, silent treatment is also boys and girls, but... I heard this, I know a story going on at the moment where this one child, their father has not spoken to them for two weeks because they didn't get the marks on the test. And dad (gasps) clearly thinks he's doing the right thing by trying to encourage the kid to work harder. But nothing good comes out of shame. And But this has been going on in our history. We shame boys, you know, since, you know, the governesses and the boarding school days, right? Wow. 
think about when you are most able to learn, grow, admit faults and be your best self. It is when you're surrounded by people who love you unconditionally, who are going to nurture you and help you. You are not your best self when you're worried someone's going to hit you, take away your iPad, yell at you, freeze you out. Yeah. No, I agree. And even in a way, like, and even if you're an adult and you look at it in that situation, right? Um, as an adult, you don't work effectively in that where you're scared of your boss or, you know, you're like, oh, I've done something, but I'm not sure if how they're going to react or whatever. Wow. So, yeah. So I suppose with, but but we do that more with boys. We do because we think boys are naughtier and they need it. Wow, really? And that just compounds it. So the parents who punish the most continue to punish the most. And what that shows us is punishment does not work. Punishment is dangerous because what it does is it teaches the kid that they can do whatever they like as long as they don't get caught. It, be- <gasps> it doesn't teach them to be good people. It teaches them to not get caught. Wow. And so it wow. teaches them well, to, yeah. when they've got a problem, they're not coming to you because you're going to hurt them. They're going to social media, right? And another problem that of the big worries that came back, which is linked to this, is parents say, my son stopped talking to me. I'm worried that there's no communication. And I was like, well, your son is going to stop talking to you if you're going to punish him, shame him, laugh at him, freeze him out. And I suppose it gets worse as they get older, don't they? Because, you know, if you're doing this at seven and eight, which is where this diversion sort of happens Mm -hmm. and they start to get to teenagers, they're not going to tell you about stuff they're doing and what's going on. And especially if you're judging and going, what? You can't go out with your friends if they're doing X, Y, and Z. And yeah, wow. Right. And we and people just don't think about these things. We carry on. We've got busy lives. We're doing so many things. I mean, I'm talking to you before we start this interview and I'm going, oh, I've got so much I'm doing. <laughs> and you just don't think about it. And sometimes exactly. the and kids get parent, dropped. We were parented. We parent how we were parented, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. But so, we've got to stop that cycle though, haven't we? Yeah. So we read about the like the damage that is done through punishment. We read that between the birth of our first and our second daughter. So once we realized that punishment actually does more harm than good, our second daughter has never been punished, not once. So our wow. first daughter, um, she got the naughty corner, right? Yeah. And now we know that that's just shame. And when she's sitting in that corner, is she thinking about how I'm not going to throw the toy? No, she's thinking I'm so naughty, I'm a bad person, and I hate mum and dad, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So instead of punishment, think about discipline. And if you go back to the root meaning of discipline, it is to learn. It's to teach and to learn. So when your child stuffs up, right? And they will rather don't try to prevent them from doing it again by fear, right? If you do this again, I'm going to take away this or I'm going to hurt you now so you won't do it next time. No, sit with them and talk about why that did not serve them, why that was not a good thing for them or for anyone else, and then empower them to do differently next time. You want them to be a good person because it's the right thing to do. You don't want them to be a good person because they're worried you're going to take away their iPad. Yes, and I agree. Um, taking away the iPad, I don't think, just doesn't really work. And it causes more <laughs> anger and it causes more trouble. And, um, yeah, and I, oh, and look, I'm not perfect. I've threatened it and I probably <laughs> threatened it yesterday. So, you know, don't go there, right? But, um Okay, so give us an example of how this would work out then. So we've got, oh, I'm trying to think. We've got a child who is not listening and, um, I don't know, is doing completely opposite to what you want them to do. Mm -hmm. So how do you discipline and not punish? Yeah, okay. So rely as much as you can on natural consequences. So, for example, if your kid is stuffing around in the morning, not listening, and they don't pack their lunch in their bag, well, they don't get their lunch that day. That's fair enough. Now, people are horrified when I say that. No, I'm not. Like, but no no kid is ever starving from not eating lunch one day. 
but they will learn from that that they need to take responsibility for their belongings and get organized in the morning yeah and i've done it with a water bottle it's very silly but um you know he forgot i said um have you got your water bottle he said yes we left the house and um no water bottle i'm not going to go back to school and give him his water bottle tough yeah it's amazing how many people do yeah he hasn't forgotten it since though yeah exactly And and if your son is if he's being rude or disrespectful say to him calmly when you speak to me like that i don't feel like helping you come back when you're ready to speak to me not properly with respect and then we'll sort this out and then at a later time you can have a calm conversation and say talking like that is not how you get what you want in the world yeah and so it becomes his it's in his best interest to behave well yes i've got a seven-year-old who is fascinated with swearing at the moment so it is um it's interesting how you deal with that right because you tell them well that doesn't sound very good etc etc but you're right like in the spur of the moment the you know the brain is out right and he's just like ha 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 and thinks it's all funny but Mm -hmm. then it is talk sitting down he's sitting him down later and having that conversation and saying hey buddy you know people don't like hearing x y and z yeah um but because he's seven he thinks it's fantastic (laughs) oh my god and I just sit there and go, oh, my God. what? But the other thing is, right, I sit there and go, what do people think of me as a parent, right? Because my child is out there, like, swearing with his mates. And I'm like, oh, yeah. geez, this is not good. Um, but, yeah, no, wow. Wow. Um, okay. While we're so, still talking about iPads, can I take this opportunity to talk about screens? Yeah. Because this is a really big one for yes, boys. Please. Because well, it's horrible. Chris and I we spent a lot of time looking at what the actual research says beyond the headlines that freak out every parent and make us all feel guilty. And we have come down on the side of, we are fans of screens. Wow. All right. Let me explain that. Okay. Why? Yes. For a couple of things. One is that screens are where the kids are. So in our day, we used to be kicked out on the street. We we went outside to play, not because we love nature. It was because where the, that was where the kids were, right? You kick your boy out on the street now, he's, he's on his own. The kids aren't on the street anymore, yes. right? The kids are playing Minecraft and Roblox and all sorts of other games, right? So it is absolutely natural and normal for kids to want to be on there. That is their playground. And if we take particularly our boys off those screens we are taking them away from their peers and we're taking them away from their community and that has serious consequences for their friendship their social skills and their mental health wow wow and it does make me laugh and i have to agree with you right i have oscar has friends that come over that bring their (laughs) that bring their ipads over with them and i'm like why are we all sitting on our ipads in the same bedroom like playing the same game, but they're also talking to other friends in other houses. All three of them sit on the bed on their iPads. They've got friends, the same friends. They've all like group chat, group joined a chat and they're all of them. Like there might be eight of them sitting in this group chat, three of them in the room and five of them not playing the same game. Yes, and this is how boys communicate. So girls and women, we sit down opposite each other, we make eye contact and we have a deep and meaningful conversation. Boys don't tend to do that. If they're going to speak intimately to each other, they need to be doing something else. Those deep and meaningful conversations happen while they're playing games. And we wrote an example in our book about these kids, they were playing, they were actually playing Fortnite, one of the games everyone loves to have. And the boy was saying to his friend, how's your mum doing? Because she was going through chemo. So here's this beautiful empathy from a boy, beautiful connection between these two kids. And it's only happening on a game. because they are com- on a game. Yeah, because I can't imagine them being in a playground going, and a kid going, oh, how's your mum? Yeah, like face to face, like as a, a girls and women would do, because we would just go, oh, how's it? You'd sit and have a coffee and or a glass of wine, depending what time of the day it was, and hopefully it wouldn't be yeah. morning. 
so this wow so this is what boys are doing is they're interacting on these games so actually your child with their headphones on and their little microphone playing like Fortnite or days i think is the new another new one and yeah and we all concerned so, that they're shoot up games right but yeah this is mindless look, exactly so look i'm not saying free for all at all we still need to parent we need to know what our kids are doing who they're know, talking they to are, exactly yes, definitely yes and also you know some games are awful and misogynistic yeah. you know grand theft auto, theft auto yeah. and things like yeah. that but in terms of all this research that says you know it's you know damaging kids brains and all sorts of things there isn't evidence to support wow. that if you dig beneath the headlines it is just not there but we, there is evidence to show that boys who don't have social connection have serious problems, problems with their mental health, physical health, their academic performance, their later professional success. But what, so, but what about, so I understand what you're saying about the games, but what, but my biggest concern with these games sitting online is that they are not physically interacting mm -hmm. Well. The, they're verbally interacting with each other, but physically they're not yep. in that. So it's about balance. Okay. You know, if you're spending, you know, every afternoon on the couch and you do nothing else, then yeah, that's yeah. a problem. But you've just told me that your boy does three oh, different I, yeah, sports. Does. Yeah. And he would so, do more if he could. So yeah. Right. So it's about getting the balance right. And if your boy is doing everything else that he's supposed to do, hitting all the milestones, then playing on a screen, don't, you don't need to feel bad about that. And you, keep in mind, you take that off and you take away his connection to his peers. And so another thing that parents get wrong is we actually don't understand the importance of this play with boys. So what will happen is, you know, they'll be playing and we'll go, oh, you've been on there too long. Okay, get off now. And the kid gets really angry and we go, oh, screens are so bad. It makes my boy angry. Well, imagine your boy's playing basketball and you suddenly decide basketball time's over. So you march onto the court and you go, okay, over now, come off. How would your boy react? He would be angry, right? But we as a parent, we don't do that because we understand how basketball works. We understand he has a commitment to his team and that it has a different end, right? So we wait. The same thing is true for games. It is important to your boy. Very often he's playing with other people. So if he just gets off in the middle, not only is he letting himself down, he's letting his friends down. And he's in the middle of something that he might have been building for half an hour. So if we treat screens with the same level as res respect as we do for other kinds of play, you're not going to have the angry outbursts. Yes. No, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, wow. It, yeah, I, I'm. I have to agree. I I do give Oscar a warning, or I do say, well, what are you? What are you on? What? Well, how much time do you need to like finish? Because I find that it does make it a lot easier. Same with TV, and if he's watching a program, you know. Although, yeah, we have to sort of manage that around dinner time and things like that. But but so we need to treat it as real play, and the research shows this that if. It is real play. So they are making up their own rules. They're being creative. They're being strategic, like a lot of those games are. That does all the good things for the brain that play does that's not on a screen. And I've got, so I have another question for you regarding children. And it came to me when you were talking previously about the nine big worries and things like that. And you were talking around, um, academic achievements, right? And, and pushing your child, right? Because I know. I do know parents who yeah. push their child constantly. You must be reading half an hour and et cetera. I mean, I do extra work with my son, but I know people whose children go and they do extra tutoring and things like that. And they're push, push, push. And it's all about the results. And you must be like two, three years above, you know, the year that you're in. And, you know, you, academically, you've got to be X, Y, and Z. Um, and what effect does that have on these boys? Oh, it's an absolute disaster. And this is another thing that boys are pushed more than girls um, oh. because we have, a again, it's an old school myth that boys need it. We need to drag them through their education. Um, so we do tend to push them. But also boys start developmentally behind girls when they start school, right? So, again, anxious parents are pushing their kids because they don't want to be left behind. 
But the research is in, and it is very clear, pushing your kid will not give you the outcome that you want for a couple of reasons. One, when you push your kid, he will you are disempowering him, right? Because he can only do this when you're riding him, right? And then as soon as you stop, well, then he will stop because he's not developing his skills for internal motivation. Right. He needs to learn to motivate himself. He needs to value the process of learning, not he needs to get a mark so he doesn't get yelled at or he needs to get a mark so he gets a new iPad or a lolly or whatever. Yeah. And so the research on um, tiger parenting is very interesting. So that's an extreme wow, version what is of tiger parenting. Oh, okay. Okay, so tiger parents, they push their kids totally focused on, you know, the outcome, the mark, not just academically, but sport and music and martial arts as well, okay? And it's supposed to, a lot of parents think that this produces high achieving children and therefore they'll be successful in life and they'll have high self-esteem and they like themselves. The opposite is true. Kids who are tiger parented perform worse academically. Again, because they're only doing it to avoid punishment. They're not learning internal motivation. Easy life, isn't it? They Let's have, get an easy life. They have really poor mental health because they're not allowed to be themselves. They're constantly meeting other people's expectations. And here is the real kicker. They grow up resenting their parents. Wow. And which is, you can understand, which is right? fair enough. If you're never good enough, as soon as you're old enough to get away from the people who make you feel bad all the time, you do, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So parents try so hard. They put so much effort into pushing and driving their boy and it totally backfires. So what we need to do instead is to teach our boys to be internally motivated, to work for them. And just one really simple technique to do. There we go, because I was going to ask yeah. the question, how on earth do we do that? Uh, well, there's a few. You know, First, I mean, we've already talked about failure. Once you normalise failure, a kid is more likely to try. Yes. Because they're not afraid and that's of what the you, outcome. And that's what you need them to do is just keep trying. Yeah, exactly. So the other thing is there's three things. So try, value the process. So in our house, we do not ask about marks. Don't even talk about it. We only care about, did you try? Did you do something hard? When you didn't understand something, did you ask the teacher? Yeah. That's all we talk about. And the research shows if you want your child to get really good marks, don't talk about marks, right? Because you want them to focus on the process of learning, the joy of learning, be curious about learning, okay? But the other thing is to link effort with outcome. So kids love knowing that they can control the world around them. So when two kids run into a lift and they're fighting over who gets to push the button, they're not fighting over who makes who, whether or not the lift's going up. They're, they're fighting over whether or not they get to make the lift go up, right? Yes. So they're so motivated in influencing the world. We can use that motivation to develop internal motivation for schoolwork or anything, right? So every time they achieve something, focus on what they did to achieve it. You tied your shoelaces because you practiced every day for two weeks. How awesome is that? You scored, scored that goal because after school you went outside and you practiced and you practiced and you practiced. And once a child knows that the effort that they put in is linked to a result, they will want to do it more. And then the more they do it, the better results they get, which will then make them want to do it more and on and on goes the cycle. And then you will have a child that will achieve for themselves and you won't have to nag them. No, which would which, which would be heaven, which would be heaven. And uh, yeah, because what you're doing, I suppose what you're doing and what you're saying is you're teaching them that they have to work to get a result, right? It's not about, oh, I'm just going to kick the ball and it will go in the goal. It's like, no, you have to practice and kick and kick and kick and practice all the different techniques and different angles and all of those things to get that ball in the goal as such or to, I don't know, build that house or to yeah. make money or whatever, like, right, or to write apply, a book. Exactly, <laughs> apply it to anything. But we are actually giving our kids the opposite message, that the only thing that matters is some external measure, a mark on a test. Yeah. You know, what mark did you get for your grade three maths exam? You don't know, right? Because it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. But the way we talk to our kids about it, it's like their whole life depends on it. 
And we need to remind ourselves our job as parents is not to get our kids a mark. Our job is to raise people who are self-sufficient, good people who don't need us. Well, and and that is exactly who do not need us, right, basically, because um, they go off into the world, they reach their teenage years, which is going to be slight challenge for all of us parents out there but hey ho and um but that's the time where they start to actually find out who they are yes and grow and so all the foundation work that us parents have hopefully put in and encouraged and motivated and all of those sort of things then starts to come to the fore and they start to be the goalie yes annoyance but god love him but no but the goalie or the artist or the performer or the scientist or the geologist or the doctor lawyer but who they want to be exactly not who they are being just to make their parent Mm -hmm. happy yep the other thing that was very interesting in the research about internal motivation is the idea that grit and perseverance is actually a skill and once you develop that skill you can apply it to other things And so we make a mistake thinking that the way you teach your kid to work hard and persevere is to force them to do something they don't want to do, like force them to practice that violin. That's not it at all, right? Because then as soon as you turn your backs turned, they stop and they only ever did it for you. The research shows that the people who have the most perseverance, the most grit, spent time doing something that they chose and that they love. So if you want your boy to have grit, Find out what his passion is, soccer or whatever, right, being a goalie. So then you support him doing more and more of that, getting better and better at that. And because also it doesn't matter what we love in life, there's things about it we don't like doing, right? So maybe you love horse riding, but if you're going to be a horse rider, you've got to pick up the poo, right? So that applies to everything. So we need to encourage our kids to do the bits that they don't like doing in pursuit of the goal that they want to achieve. And once they develop those grit muscles, they can apply it to other aspects of their life. Yeah, yeah, like running around and stretching in the goal, which he hates because he wants the goal to be shot. He wants the ball to be shot at him so he can save it. Right. So, yeah, don't even go there. Um, Yes, no, okay, okay. Wow. There's so, like... I love talking to you because it's not that you guys have just plucked this out of the air and gone, oh, well, this is what I've read on Facebook or this is what. You guys research this fully, fully research it. Look at the research papers, look at the actual, you know, evidence and then put it in a book for all us parents to like read and we get the benefits of your year's worth of research. And the good news is, is that you don't need massive adjustments you need small everyday tweaks yeah yeah which is what we which is great because let's face it we don't have loads of time as parents to learn brand new methods um i think you know it's biggest most challenging thing is what you've already touched on it is to love the boy that you have not Mm. the one that you thought you were going to get if your boy is going to grow up actually believing in himself he has to be himself and he needs to know that you think that person is worthy. Yeah. Because I when agree. we chip away and try and change our kids into something else, we are telling them that what they actually are is not good enough. And you cannot grow up liking yourself and have high self-esteem if the people who you love the most think you should be different from what you are. No, and and um ex- exactly I agree with you completely because all, as parents, we all say, and I hear it every single day, I just want my child to be happy. And I say it, right? I just want my child to be happy. Well, if you do just want your child to be happy, you need to take a step back and stop imprinting on them what would make you happy yeah. because what makes you happy may not necessarily make them happy. And that is and you've really- got to it's, breathe. <laughs> it's really hard for parents to do, right? Particularly if your kid is so different from how you hoped and dreamed he would be. You know, yeah. grief is is a real thing for parents. We do grieve for the kid we thought we were going to get and didn't get. But we need to get over that because our kid needs 
unconditional positive regard. And this was so interesting. Brene Brown, social scientist in America, she tried, she spent years working out what is the difference between kids who believe in themselves and like themselves and kids or adults who don't. And she looked at socioeconomics, she looked at gender, she looked at profession, she looked at everything. And there is one thing that is different, just one thing. The people who believed in themselves believed they were worthy of love. That's it. And how does someone grow up believing that they're worthy? By their parents treating them, showing them that they are always worthy that their worth is not negotiable. It's the same as their hair colour or their eye colour. It's just fixed. It is who you are. You are worthy just the way you are. And I'm going to help you grow into the best version of the person that you choose to be. And if you give your child that, you will give them self-esteem and self-belief. And they'll want to keep talking to you. And when they grow up and move out, they're going to want to come back and see you. Yeah. And I I know it's challenging because you know, they go through, as a parent, you all sit there and go, yep, been there, done it, seen it, got the T-shirt, you know, made the movie, you know, gone and done the publicity stunt or whatever, right? But that was what we did in our life, right? Yes. That's not what they're thinking and they're feeling. And also, that was in our environment, in our world. (laughs) And for somebody like me, that was like 40 years ago, right? So at the end of the day, there's a lot that's happened in 40 years, okay? Mobile phones, internet, yeah. you know. I mean, we don't want to, you know, flight probably. You know, we've probably got aeroplanes and we didn't have them when I was a kid. No, no, <laughs> I'm lying. But it does feel like that it sometimes. It wasn't so cheap to fly back then, though. It was a yeah, big no, deal. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, right, their life is so different. Their lives are so different. And I think we have to take a step back because – as parents, we're getting older and older, right? We're not having our children like my mum had me at 19, right? Wow, yeah. Which may not have been the best thing for my mum and dad to do at such a young age, but however, very glad they did because I'm here. But, um, you know, we're getting into our 30s and our 40s. I mean, I was 40 when I I had my son, right? So there's such a long distance between their lives and my life. Yes. I was out on my bike 24-7, like only coming home when it was dark and we would climb trees and uh, try not to murder ourselves on playgrounds and things like that. And we had to be very careful of stranger danger where people would come to playgrounds and tell us, do you want to come back to, you know, see some puppies at my house? Whereas the stranger danger that our kids are dealing with are predators online on these computer games, Mm -hmm. not the ones that come to parks. That's nowhere to be seen now because these guys have got intelligent and getting online and trying to groom our kids that way. So it's a different world. Exactly. But the thing to note in that also is that the predators aren't new, you know, because that's another reason like screens have a bad rap because of predators. Well, there were plenty of predators around when we were growing up as well, right? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and well, so it's the parenting that protects our kids from the pet, from the predators. Exactly. Exactly right. Exactly right. And it's a similar sort of it's a similar sort of parenting process. It's just being aware of what they're doing, educating yeah. them as to what goes on. Um, but yeah, but it's not the physical. It's the you know computer line sort of things. Yeah. Thank Casey. Thank you so much. I love speaking to you because it like well it's factual and like it's so helpful to just dive into the world of our children. And I'm so pleased you've produced a book on boys at last. It's great um, because that I think they get left behind. There's, Like you said, there's lots of things for girls, right? We're conscious about social media on the, the effect on girls and how it actually has an effect on their social esteem and how we want them to go out there and be strong women and yes. resilient and, you know, get out there and, you know, stand up for their rights and things like that. And boys then, we leave boys behind and go, yeah, 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 well, you need to deal with this girl power stuff, right? And also get in touch with your fluffy side and all of these other things. And the boys go, yeah, but we don't know how to do that because we're learning off our dads. Yeah, that's right. other influential males within their lives. And some of the females are tough cookies as well, right? Um, And, yeah, we're not giving them that flexibility, that emotional intelligence and all of those things. Yeah, unless the good news is their skills. And we all get better with practice when it comes to skills, and, and your boy can too. Yeah, no, yeah. 
Um, and I am too as well. So look, you know, as parents, we we need to learn a trick or two. Look, thank you. Where do um, it's it's, a, it's bringing up boys out there at the moment. It is. It's out there, isn't yeah, it? Yes. So all the normal places you buy books. Uh, there's print. There's audio. There's ebook as well. Or um, if you want some resources, so the the big nine worries, or um, some more um, the emotion wheel that we talked about, and a few other things. Go to boyswholikethemselves.com forward slash strong and you can download a free resource of all of that information. Brilliant. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. No, I'm definitely going there. I'm getting that emotional wheel, even if it's just for myself. Yes. Um, you know, because, you know, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, monkey see, monkey does. So, you know, if you're going, oh, I'm feeling worried today or I'm feeling uh, I've had a bad day at work and it's because I'm anxious about X, Y and Z, I've got a big meeting or whatever, then it gets them to actually understand where mummy is at and what they might be going through. That's right. They might have a big presentation at school. So, look, I have one final question for you. One final question. Yeah, go. Um, oh, and I haven't warmed you up to this question, so apologies. <laughs> but what piece of advice have you been given that you still go by today? Ah, when in doubt, hug. Hug it out. When yep. in doubt, hug it out. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so that includes tantrums, meltdowns, you know, times when you're ready to lose it with your kid, they're losing it too. Give them a hug. It is amazing. If your boy will let you hug, it, it's amazing the power of that connection. And it says to them, even when you behave at your worst, I love you. You are still worthy. Let's work on this together. Yeah. I'm not sure what will happen when my son gets older, but he is definitely a hugger. So every like he he gets up in the morning and comes through, doesn't say anything to me, brings his iPad, gives me a hug, and then buggers off on his iPad. Right. And I'm like, right, okay, thanks. Um, yeah. And then he'll come through occasionally and just go, I just want to hug. So you hug him and then off he goes again. It's just it's nuts. But yeah, he's a hugger. God love him. So great. Well, there we go. If in doubt, hug it out. And I have to agree. It definitely helps when they're having a bit of a throw down and it actually, I think, is a state changer. Yes, for sure. For both of you. Definitely a state Parent changer. Parent and child. Yes. Yes. And if they're having a rant and a rave and you go, come on, I just give let me give you a hug or whatever. Yep. They may not go for it straight away, right? But they'll come back for it yes. later. And that's where that's just a bit of a change up from them screaming at you for five minutes. And then you so, become yes. the source of comfort not the source of fear that you're going to punish them, shame them, humiliate them. And we all want to be around people who who really like us and get us. So if your son knows that you like him and you get him, he's going to want to be around you as he gets older too. And it is difficult, I have to say. I've had to stop myself. Like if they spill stuff or break stuff or whatever, right, and you're like, oh, my, like I do it to myself, right? And yeah. I go, oh, my God, why did I do that? But like it's so much easy to go okay buddy it was an accident it's okay it's not because it was right but like it's annoying and frustrating for you as a parent because you're like i've got to clean this up now i've got a broken vase or whatever but yeah it's no, an I opportunity agree. for him to work on his cleaning up skills yes which will set him up for a good relationship later on god let's hope so god dear <laughs> dearie me cool look awesome thank you so much i'm gonna let you get on with your day um but yeah, look, thank you. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for writing another book. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, thank please you. write some more. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should get you researching the nine big worries of single parents. There we go. Get get your husband and you to write some more. You guys aren't single parents, though, so maybe I should be writing why, it. <laughs> why don't you ask everyone to email them in and then send yes, me the list? That would be very I interesting, will. wouldn't it? I'll send you a massive, yeah. great big list because I'm sure there's loads. Um, but then again, there may be, like you say, the core worries and stuff like that. And then, yes, well, you guys are so good at this. Thanks. <laughs> we'll just get you the lists that you then go and research and then we yeah, can go from there. back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right, Casey, look, I'm going to let you go, I promise. Um, yeah, have a great day. Thanks, Claire. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week. And I hope to see you back here again soon. 
Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Hello, I'm Con. And I'm Stav. And, and we're we are Eddie Nucky. You're listening to Radio Karam. Oi, 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 oi. IGA is shopping nights. IGA, where the price is right. Seaford North IGA for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker.